Brian Windhorst, the NBA Rookie of the Year battle is between Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren. How much time have you spent around these two, sir? Not as much as I want, um, but I have the opportunity to get to know Victor um, before the season, and I've been following Chet since he was about a junior in high school. He's from Minneapolis, which is not far from me, and uh, I was fascinated by his makeup as a player. I'm not somebody who typically pays that close attention to guys before they get to the NBA, quite frankly. Uh, Clinton, I don't have the bandwidth for it, but uh, Chet was an exception to that. Of course you watched him play in high school. Everybody likes to say Minnehaha. <laughs> yes, and I'm going to tell you the highlights from Minnehaha and also his AAU and also his time with Team USA were amazing because not only do you see a guy in Chet who is immensely talented at a huge size, okay, anybody can see that, but when you really get to watch Chet and get to know his game a little bit, and this is really the most exciting thing about him, is his competitive streak. Talk about confidence. Chet goes coast to coast so easily for a seven-footer. And Jay, how many times have we seen him do that in this game? That's like the third time. Just super smooth and fluid. And then how about the time? He really, really wants to win. And, you know, sometimes you see really tall players, even if they're talented and clearly are hard workers that don't really aren't really wired like, you know, highly competitive basketball players. You, you often see guys who are really big who drifted their way to basketball because it opened up a lot of doors and they were sort of genetically built for it. Chet and Victor are completely not that at all. They both decided they wanted to be pros regardless of the fact of what their size were. But um, that's what has excited me about them, really, f since I started to study them when they were teenagers. I am potentially going to be made a fool here, but I think that the possible Wembenyama-Holmgren rivalry could end up being one of the biggest things in the NBA of this generation. And um, I have even jokingly said, um, you know, in conversations with people at ESPN, oh, that's our new bird magic. And people laugh at me and, you know, think that I'm ridiculous. And for a number of reasons, you know, it is sort of a hyperbole. I kind of am sorry, not sorry, that I am, you know, projecting big things from these two. And after I saw them play against each other in their first NBA games last fall, I walked away as energized as I have from a preseason game in my 20-plus year career and as excited as I've been about two rookies, maybe since, you know, LeBron and Carmelo Anthony back in 2003. NBA fans have had tonight's matchup between the Spurs and Thunder circled on the calendar for months. Because when rookies Victor Wembanyama and Chet Holmgren face off in San Antonio, it will be the next of what is expected to be many chapters in an epic rivalry. And thanks to the likes of Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and Carl Anthony Towns, it's all happening in an era where the big man has been reinvigorated. So today... 
Brian Windhorst tells us when and how this rivalry first started and what we can expect to see in the upcoming round. I'm Clinton Yates. It's Wednesday, January 24th. This is ESPN Daily. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Brian Windhorst, tonight the Thunder and Spurs play on ESPN, but it is much more than that. It's a rookie showdown between two unicorns, seven foot one Chet Holmgren and seven foot four Victor Wembanyama. While this matchup is being billed as one between these two, it isn't actually their first major showdown at all. Where did these two and when did they first meet? They were a little bit victimized by COVID by not getting the sort of circuit that you would normally see two top players from back-to-back classes get involved in. They were sort of caught in that. Um, so the, really the first and only time they met with each other before the NBA was at the 2021 FIBA Under-19 World Cup, which was in um, Riga, Latvia, uh, the same summer, uh, just a couple of weeks before the, uh, the Tokyo Olympics. From those two, but Wemem Yama has got to get met, play major minutes here. The ring protection is going to be absolutely crucial. His matchup with Holmgren is going to be fascinating. And, uh, wow, there's so many things to look forward to in this game. It was during the NBA playoffs. There was almost no attention on it um, for, for this reason. The NBA playoffs were much delayed. Um, but it was the biggest event that these two guys have played in. Victor playing for France. Chet playing for Team USA. Who won? So, you know, these guys had known who each other were for a while. They had been aware and been eyeing each other for a long time, and so had pro scouts. Pro scouts flocked to Europe to see these two guys play against each other. There was no Nike Hoop Summit the year before that year because of COVID. There was no... Um, you know, opportunities for them to get together in, you know, arranged exhibitions. And so it was a huge high stakes event and it was a very intense game. Team USA had, you know, a bunch of guys who would eventually go on to be top draft picks, including Jaden Ivey, who was the point guard for them. And France had a really good young team, of course, built around Victor and it was, a, it was a back and forth game. And with three minutes left, uh, it was a three-point game. Uh, U.S. was up by three. And uh, Jaden Ivey came down the lane and Victor met him at the rim trying to block the shot and was called for his fifth foul that disqualified him. Ivey gets the penetration. And oh, wait, wait, wait. Early whistle. Block called. Wembanyama knows, yeah. you know, if he could take back the last last half a minute, he wouldn't have gone for it. it Wembanyama trying to cheer from, this, from the bench now. 
and Victor was crushed. He couldn't believe he got the foul called against him. It was a foul. I don't think it was even that much of a doubt, but he thought he was wronged. And there were fans allowed in the gym, but it was only friends and family. It was a restricted, uh, you know, attendance. And there was all this space around the court because they had pulled the stands back. And he just walked around and milled around the court. So frustrated, he fouled out. He grabbed his jersey and just bit it. He was so angry. And he later said and that this was the worst moment of his career. I know it hasn't been that much of a career just yet, but for him, it was the lowest point of basketball in his life. And he thought about it every day for a year after that because he was playing a very good game. He was outplaying uh, Chet in the game. He, was, he had scored more and was, was being a bigger factor. And Team USA was able to finish it out and win by two points, 83 to 81. And immediately after the game, Victor was so frustrated that his team had just lost and that he knew he wasn't getting named the MVP that he couldn't even look. He just put his head down and pinched his nose and just was like in agony as Chet Holmgren was announced as the MVP. And so he has vowed that he wants to get revenge on Team USA as many times and as fast as possible, which means getting revenge on Chet, who... I think it's very likely that they see each other on the international stage, um, maybe as early as the 2024 Olympics. Over the last 50 years, basketball legacies have been built on pre-NBA showdowns like this. But the question I have is about these two guys. Boomers and Jexan people are always concerned about whether or not rivalries are real and whether or not dudes are trying to fight each other in the parking lot. But is this a rivalry in that old school context or do these two guys actually like each other? No, I don't think so. I don't think that they have a personal animus. In fact, I think they respect and like each other. But there's no question they sense that their success is potentially impeded by the other guy. Um, Both of their tracks have been similar in reaching the NBA. And the circumstances because of Chet Holmgren's foot injury made them rookies at the same time which sort of has pitted them against each other in their first, really, I guess their second major race because the first one was the under-19 World Cup. So now we have the race for Rookie of the Year. And regardless of what they say, knowing them and knowing the way they feel and believe, they both want to win it really badly. And when it's not the Rookie of the Year, it'll be that division title. And it'll be that first round playoff series, you know, eventually when they play in the series or the Western Conference Finals, they'll be the ones who want to start over each other in the All-Star game. I'm not sure that they're the type of guys who are going to say, ever say anything bad about the other one, you know, in the media, but I know that they want to beat the other one. And that was absolutely verified to me, watching them play against each other for the first time in the NBA. Let's compare how things have been going for both of them so far. We'll start with the Spurs. Wemby is their first major piece in a total rebuild that effectively started when Kawhi Leonard left for Toronto. What is Popovich's next move to build around Wemby? And will Pop even be around to see all of this as a coach, never mind, as something else? Yeah, so Greg Popovich signed a five-year contract before the start of the season, I think, to put away any questions about how long he was going to be there. The extension was announced. That is not something that had happened for Popovich in decades They had never made his contract status public. They did in this case because I think they wanted to 
put any questions about whether Pop would be walking away now or after next season or whatever. And so I think that, you know, that Popovich is invested and wants to be there as they build around Victor. You know, to be honest with you, I'm not so sure how many guys they have on this roster right now will be there in two years or so. They have been building the last couple of years. They have a couple of pieces on their roster uh, that they've drafted and uh, and had some success with. um, Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson, two guys that they drafted uh, since Kawhi was traded that um, have been successful, and they've signed both of them to long-term contract extensions. But I'm not so sure that either of them necessarily are untouchable. So I think they are still very early in the stages here. And um, the one thing that they have is they've, you know, done some deals over the last few years. They have a bunch of draft picks, but they are probably, in all honesty, two years away from being two years away. Uh, Whereas Holmgren joined a team that was already very deep into a rebuild. So comparing Chet and Victor's team success for the next three-ish years, it's probably not going to be much of a contest there. You mentioned that Chet Holmgren is coming into an entirely different situation. They're currently the number two seed in the Western Conference. What other moves do you think they could make this season, never mind the future, to get more out of what they have and put them over the top as a contender for the trophy? It's a real existential question for the Thunder because, you know, you could look at them and say, man, if you have the second best seed in the Western Conference, shouldn't you be trying to do something to improve your immediate future to try to win the West? And, um, you know, they have, uh, I believe, 11 tradable first-round picks. They have way more than that over the next seven years. I think they've got 15 first-rounders over the next seven years, but they've got 11 of them that they could trade. And so when you think of that salary flexibility and all those first-round picks, they could probably trade for about 90% of the league. They could probably make an offer for about 90% of the league and be able to get that player if they really wanted to. But Sam Presti has been very clear. Their, their team president has been very clear about what he wants to do here. He really wants to build something sustainable. Um, and the way he has used it is he said, we need to finish our breakfast, mm. which is a metaphor for... Let's see what we have here and continue to develop this team. Let's not skip lunch and go right to dinner. So what I think they are trying to avoid is making a short-term addition that may be for an expensive player whose timeline may not be along the same lines as Shea Gildas-Alexander and their young players, all of whom are still on sort of their first four-year deals. And um, it's going to take some discipline. But I also think that Uh, You know, Sam has said, we don't just want to, you know, be in the playoffs. We want to arrive. We want to get to the playoffs with a real chance, not to just make a cameo. And so I think if you look at the West this year, I don't think you look at the Thunder and say they're going to be at their absolute best. They may have success and they may make a run. They have the talent to do it. But I think that they really kind of want to go low and slow and and not get ahead of themselves because they don't want to get trapped in a situation where they build a team that they can't keep together. But in all seriousness, if we are talking about the legacy and history of these two rookies, it's sort of a different circumstance. The Spurs are clearly Wemby's team, while the Thunder are Shea's team. Does that put a dent in this rivalry in some way? I mean, I think from the outside, 
it will change the viewpoint on them. You know, for example, um, right now, it seems to me that the viewpoint is that Chet Holmgren is probably going to win Rookie of the Year, or I should say he's the leader in the Rookie of the Year race. And the reason people are saying that is because the Thunder are so much more successful than the Spurs, and team success makes a difference in awards. And right there, that just shows a disconnect in the way people evaluate Chet and the way people evaluate Victor. And so one of the big challenges as you watch the two guys over the next few years is how do you weigh their team success versus their personal performance? How do you weigh Victor potentially having to carry the team a little bit more than Chet does, whereas Chet can really thrive in a smaller than number one sort of role? But if you take a step back and and take a look at it, they're both having seasons that would almost be unanimous rookie of the year type seasons in most of the years of the last, you know, 15 or 20 years. There have been co-rookies of the year before. Are you saying you got Chet over Victor or are you saying most people do? Yeah, no, I think uh, there's been some informal polling done and Chet is ahead and, uh, I have sort of found myself in conversations with other media members. I know it's kind of stunning, kind of stating Victor's case, you know, saying the guy's playing 26, 27 minutes a night and is basically averaging 20 points, more than 10 rebounds and three blocks. And go look at the history of the game and demonstrate how many guys have done that while at the same time being incredibly impressed with what Chet is doing, especially shooting the percentages that he's shooting. Holmgren, the trail three, steps into it, and Chet Holmgren ties the game in 102. And one of the things that's also very eye-opening is repeatedly you see players from other teams, veterans who play against Holmgren for the first time, who come out of the game and say to reporters after the game, my God, is that guy talented? My God, does that guy make a huge difference defensively? That's not to be taken lightly. Fun fact, Bird won Rookie of the Year. Magic was second. Bird won three rings, though, and Magic won five, two of which he beat Larry Bird. Coming up, how will tonight affect what we see of the future of the NBA? Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Picture this. You arrive at your hotel. You have an important online meeting lined up with clients from all across the country. You have your laptop open, ready to begin, and the Wi-Fi is so terrible you can't even connect. These type of stressful situations happen all the time, but they don't have to. When you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you have access to their free high-speed Wi-Fi. So you can take care of those critical emails, join your meetings on time, and even unwind by streaming your favorite shows without having to worry. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Brian, when the game tips off tonight, will Wemby and Chet be matched up against each other? And if so, who has the advantage? 
Yeah, so the difference between the last time they played each other and also the way when they played each other in 20, 2021 and also in the preseason is Chet and Victor now both play center. Victor has never wanted to be described as a center. In fact, even now, Greg Popovich, being very well aware that Victor doesn't want to be described as a center, won't call him the team's center. He'll just say he's the starting lineup's big man. He won't call him the center. <laughs> but functionally, after starting the year and playing for you know two months as the power forward with Zach Collins at center, Victor Wembanyama has been the Spurs' center for um, the past uh, month to six weeks or something like that. And by the way, his numbers have really increased. It's really helped the Spurs, even though they're not winning. He's been much more effective. Rockets advantage. Smith. Chet started playing center day one, and that was kind of a, an unknown because, um, you know, his lack of bulk was concerning. But he wanted to play center from day one. And, you know, one of the things that we've seen throughout Victor's career is that sometimes teams don't want to put their tallest players on Victor because there is nobody in the world who can play like him. You're going to have a height disadvantage. So what teams have typically done is they have put stronger, smaller players on him. In fact, in that 2021 World Cup game, Chet and Victor didn't guard each other. Now, occasionally they ended up matched up on each other, and they had a few moments where they went directly head-to-head. But the U.S. actually used Kenneth Lofton Jr., who has been around the NBA the last few years as a two-way player who's probably, you know, eight to ten inches shorter than Victor, but significantly bigger and they used him on Victor kind of as a way to push him around a little bit. And there was some success. And so they haven't always guarded each other. But now the way their teams are aligned and have them at center, I don't see how they're not going to spend a lot of time on each other. And so while this game tonight doesn't have uh, high stakes, it definitely should feature the two of them playing directly on one another more than they have in their careers. And This could be something that we get used to, seeing them go head-to-head against each other uh, at each end of the court. Well, they've already been head-to-head once this season. Back in November, the Spurs visited Oklahoma City. It is Holmgren and Wembenyama. They tip it up, and it is the Thunder who control the opening tip. It was a fairly forgettable game. OKC won 123-87. What do you think has changed for both of these squads since that matchup? Well... The Spurs have sunken into despair. <laughs> they are now basically, you know, chasing the, the the number one pick, quite frankly. You know, so the decisions that the Spurs make from day to day isn't necessarily to win games first, whereas the Thunder not only got off to a hot start, but have maintained a top two seed in the West for several months now. And when they go out there and play, every game has meaning as they try to secure you know, position where they could not only make the playoffs, but potentially have home court for a couple of rounds. So while the teams might have different strategies in this midseason game, what does that mean when our two rookie superstars are posting each other up? That doesn't mean that Victor and Chet won't approach the game in a special way. I I know when I saw them play against each other in October for the first time, I could tell that night that this was the beginning of something. And the team success 
may hold it back for a while, but I really, really strongly believe that eventually Wembenyama versus Holmgren being a centerpiece game on Christmas Day, San Antonio versus Oklahoma City, as much as that might make the networks faint, I, I honestly could see it, you know, a couple of years into the future. One of the things I find fascinating about Wemby and Chet is that, you know, people talk all the time about Chamberlain versus Russell. There was the idea of the rings versus the personal accolades. Magic Bird were two guys that actually had a real issue with each other, but they were different types of players. Not only are Holmgren and Wembanyama two guys that have a mutual respect for each other, but their games specifically are so modern. The seven-footer who can get it around and shoot is just not something that I think we have a template for as far as what we're looking at as fans. How do you think this rivalry will ultimately be defined by the fans in the league as we move forward? Well, the thing about it is, is that really for the 90s, aughts, and 2000 teens, it was really defined by wing players. Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. I know Steph isn't really a wing player, but a perimeter player. Durant. Um, even though Durant's tall, he's a wing player. <laughs> this is what you were looking for. You were looking for this transcendent sort of perimeter-based player who could sort of tilt the game, take the ball, and sort of make anything possible. You know, you had Duncan and Shaq. They had their eras, but even then, you know, they, to a certain extent, needed great wings to, to support them. We are in a new era where the biggest men who have the talent are coming back. And, you know, I can't truly compare what we have now to when we had Chamberlain and Russell. I can't say that. What I can say that, you know, in my lifetime, we've never had this many men this big, this talented. I'm talking about Nikola Jokic. I'm talking about Joel Embiid. I'm talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I'm talking about Chet Holmgren and Victor Wembanyama. Seven plus footers who are immensely multi-talented, who can do everything, who can dribble, pass, shoot. Victor runs it down, six in the clock, fires a deep three. Oh, of course, rebound and block shots. Oh, and Hunter went up and got absolutely denied by Holmgren. But do the entire package. And it was almost like the way Michael Vick happened and you said... At least college football will never be the same again. The great quarterbacks in college are going to be this incredible hybrid of a great a running back, a quarterback combination. Well, that's what we have now. We very well might be watching the future of the NBA. That the future of the NBA is seven-plus footers who can play like guards. Jokic is kind of defining it, and these guys are who are even more athletic than Jokic are you know, arriving to, to take up the mantle behind it. Wendy is a smarter guy than I am because if they gave me a vote, I'm voting for the guy from Minnehaha every time. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, guys. I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow, kiddos.